Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims, and today we have a guy who, uh, in a couple of seasons with the Milwaukee Admirals, made his mark both on the ice and off the ice in, in a great manner, didn't he, Charlie? I, I agree. You know, Aaron, so we have had a lot of players come through Milwaukee, and so many guys have great personalities. And then I think to myself, I got to get this guy on the radio, or I got to get this guy uh, somewhere just t- talking about stuff. And sometimes those guys, you put a, a mic in front of their face and they just shut down. It's one word answers. And I'm like, I'm, I got them in this radio station. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're never going to want us back. This is not, this did not happen ever with this guy. He stepped up to the moment when more people were listening. He came with his better stories and I'm thrilled to see him and to have him on the podcast. He's uh, he's definitely one of our favorites and we've uh, we've been fortunate in that uh, on a few occasions over the years we've kept in touch. Uh, he's now an associate head coach at Brown, uh, coaching college hockey, has been coaching college hockey for quite some time. Uh, he's Jason Guerrero. Jason, it's great to see you. As Charlie said, and I echo what Charlie said, it doesn't look like you're any older at all. Actually, it looks kind of like you've reversed a little bit, to be honest with you. <laughs> That you that you're that you're even younger. You you're Ponce de Leon or something here. With uh, it looks great. I well, you you said you mentioned the on and off ice. I I appreciate the the on ice part because I do feel that I remembered in my admiral days for more of the off ice stuff. I don't know if that's good <laughs> or bad. Um, I have I have aged. I turn forty next month, and my wife who. Um, which I'm sure you guys know is a doctor doing amazing things. She's literally, she, she is it. literally she's, saving the world. She yeah, is she's literally, literally curing cancer. Yes. I'm, I, and, and, and I'm not saying literally in the weird sense, she is literally oh. saving the world. So she is this organized human being that she is. She has made sure that I stay up to date with my weight. I get on the scale every morning. She does CrossFit. I go watch her. I watch the kids. So I'm just trying to keep up pretty much. So uh, I got to give her credit for, I guess, my, my good look. She's still, um, I've been dyeing my hair for quite some time. So uh, <laughs> she makes sure that that stays up to par as well. Um, but I am going gray in the beard and I turn 40 next month. So, but I, 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 I am not shrinking. I am still five, six and three quarters. I had my physical, <laughs> I had my, phys- I had my physical two weeks ago and I am still the same height. So I'm, I'm good in that department. Hey, before we get into some other stuff, I, this year, how trying has it been for you as a college coach in a, in a season where only four teams in the ECAC played and all the Ivy league schools didn't play. We're going through something similar, obviously in Milwaukee where the admirals opted out of this season, but what has it been like for you? Because the lifeblood of college hockey is the recruiting trail and everything, everything has been shut down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually been, it's been really difficult. Um, on, on a positive note, before I get into that, it's been great because I've actually been, as a recruiter, you're gone. Like uh, you're yes. gone almost a hundred days a year recruiting. So, um, but this year with, with COVID um, I've kind of taken it in, 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 a, in a positive way that I've actually been around my kids a lot more. Um, you know, my wife still, I mean, COVID hit, nothing changed for her. She's still working, you know, 12, 14 hour days. And I was able to be the stay at home dad and, and hang out with my, my, my two boys and, and my girl. So it's been a fun year, actually. I've, I've learned a lot about parenting. Um, I've definitely gotten softer. Um, as my wife tells me, because I'm not strict with them and they get away with murder. But, um, <laughs> but from a recruiting standpoint, it's been very difficult. Uh, 
because you can only watch video and we do a lot of video work during the season. Like, you know, you watch recruits and then you get on a plane and you go watch them. But now we've got a, so this year coming up the 21, 22 season, we've had, we had to be done recruiting by February one with admissions. So basically from like September till February, we were trying to fill four spots of forwards and with no play going on, it became very difficult where, you know, some kids, you know, maybe before, um, were really good and then they fell off, you know, fell off the map and some kids that weren't got better. So it was really difficult to fill those four spots with the right guys. And I think we got the right guys. Um, and we call them COVID commits and we'll see, we'll see what happens when they get here. Um, but yeah, it's been difficult. I mean, there's some days where in the thick of it from September to, like I said, like February, where it would be 12, 14 hours a day of just watching video over yeah. and over and over of kids and then sitting down as a staff on Zooms and trying to figure out, you know, which kid fits the mold for, for our team next year. So it, it's been hard. And the video you're watching presumably is from last season, right? Like the, the, the uh, uh, so many leagues are shut down this year uh, and maybe, you know, some were, some were playing for sure, uh, but so many weren't. And so you're watching stuff that might be a year old. Yeah. That, and that's, that's the hard part because you can get tricked in a good way or a bad way. And like I said, for us, I like, and things are starting to start up obviously now with the leagues that are um, back up and running, but we're, we have to be done by February with recruiting. So I can't just yeah. sit around with, you know, a, a slot to try to grab someone right now. It, we're done. So, uh, and right. a lot of the other schools have that luxury. So it's a little frustrating, but you know, you make it work. Yeah. Let's go back to uh, when you came to Milwaukee, you had started your pro career. Uh, after a great career at Northeastern, you start your career in Bridgeport, right? And then you go over and you play in the top finish league for a season. Mm-hmm. Was that just no jobs? I mean, that that was the year after the lockout, I suppose. 0405 was the lockout. 0506, you come back. Was it the lack of jobs? Was it you had to prove something because of your being five, six and three quarters? Or what? what was the situation there? Yeah. So that, that year, the 0405 lockout year was my senior year. And right after the year was over, we finished in playoffs and I just hitched on right with the Islanders there in, in Bridgeport. And I finished the season out there and I, it was good. Like I was intimidated as a five foot six guy, even though, as you said, not to toot my own horn, but yeah, I was an all American led hockey East in scoring. Um, and, I mean, but, and you were named top uh, to the all hockey East uh, 25 anniversary team too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, and I actually, funny on that was I was actually playing in Europe at the time and my wife, um, she ended up accepting the award for me (laughs) (laughs) on the ice at, at the game. Um, but yeah, so like, so I go from Bridgeport and at the time there just, there wasn't much going on for jobs. And I was going to go to the Pittsburgh Penguins NHL camp just as a free agent. And that was kind of the plan. And then last minute, um, you know, for some lower end money, they said, you want to come play in the Finnish national league and, you know, talking with some people are like, it's a great league. And obviously, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have come through. I mean, Pecorine obviously is one that sticks say out, yeah. you know, and, and so I go right to Finland and, um, and one of the guys that just crazy enough as it was, that was on the Admirals that you guys remember is Villa Koisinen. And yeah. he was on my team there and, and Elvis Tampere and, um, yeah, had a pretty decent year that year and then kind of found my way back to the States. Um, cause I, you know, I wanted to give it a shot and that's kind of just how it, it kind of started. I kind of got lucky that I fell in that spot in Finland and, and I loved it at that time, actually, believe it or not, another Finn that I still talk to, 
uh, Chukaresk. He was our backup yep. goalie at the time. Sure. So he was young. Um, but, you know. It's... And his, his brother played for the Admirals, Jonas Rask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a couple of years after you. Uh, did you, how much did you enjoy the saunas when you were in uh, Finland? Because that's <laughs> their thing, right? Every house has a sauna. Yep. So my, my apartment had a sauna and it was like, I was like, this is unbelievable. But the first experience I had was, so that first game, so I get off the plane in Finland and I remember the GM saying, do not go to sleep. So, cause you're flying overnight, you get in the morning. Right. Right. So I get, we were supposed to play that night and I'm thinking, I'm not going to play. I'm exhausted. He's like, you're playing tonight. We're going right to pregame skate. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so we get off the plane, we drive from Helsinki. It's about, I think it was about an hour, maybe two hours to, to the, our town where we were. And right there to pregame skate, pregame skate, no one's speaking to me. The only guy that said something to me was uh, one of my favorites is Yerke Lume, who's played in the NHL for a long time. And Fair he enough. was like great English, helping me out. Everybody was like idiot American from New York. Like no one talked to him. <laughs> so I do the pregame skate and I get off and he's like, you're staying at the hotel tonight. So I'm like, I'm exhausted. He's like, don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Am I right? So I stayed up. Fast forward to the game. I end up having a goal and three assists. I get player of the game and it's unbelievable. So the game ends and we get to the sauna part. So now that we go into the sauna and usually a pro hockey in, in the States, like you don't drink right after the game, like just in the locker room, you just don't do that. Yeah. So we go into the sauna and it's kind of new to me. I know sauna. So I'm sitting in there and they're like giving me beers and no one's speaking English. And all of a sudden, everybody gets out. And I'm like, yeah, this league's pretty easy. Like, I had a good game. And then I hear the door lock. And I'm looking <laughs> over, and I'm like, and Yerke Lume is going like this. I'm like, guys, like, I am not going to be able to stay. I don't know if you understand English. I'm going to pass out, like, soon. And they left me in there, like, with beers. And I'm like, there's no water. There's nothing. I just drank. I haven't slept in, like, 48 hours. So, like, that was my first experience of the sauna. And my second experience that I remember the most was when my wife came over and over there, you're very like the sauna is like, you could go to the public ones and everybody's naked. Like it's just normal. And right. people started like gearing down at my house and just like getting naked and going in the sauna. My wife's like, what's going on here? I'm like, I think this is normal. Like, should we yeah. like, like, and we're like, ah, we're okay. Yeah. But it was, it, it wasn't like anything, you know, cra- it was just that, Hey, the Guerrero has a sauna's apartment and let's just, go I'll get in and yeah. And then get out and hang out and drink and go out. And I was like, man, this is, this is an odd country, but, um, <laughs> but I, but I, lo- I love the saunas. We did a lot from saunas to, you know, the hole in the, in the lake. Um, you know, it became like, uh, the norm for me every weekend. It was awesome. You know, we had a guy, uh, a fan, Mika Salamaki, who was telling me, told me the story of the, uh, of the world sauna championships, which is you go into a sauna and they crank it as hot as possible. And you stay in there. That's a cool. guy from, a guy from Russia died. Like t- last year, you got to Google. It's insane. Like his skin, like on the inside, like his muscles started to like basically burn. Right. He died like 220 degrees. He's in there for six minutes done like dinner out. Yeah. That, that may, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, if you threw me in the oven, like I probably would, you know, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, it was, it's, it's, and they were like there, I mean, and then you're mixing in alcohol when our guy, like it was just, but I, I enjoyed it. it. And like I said, it became the norm. Like, all right, I got to get home. I got to get in the sauna. I got to do my thing. Like, so it, it right. was, it's cool. Part of the routine. The, that's yeah. And it's a fun part of playing in Europe and the different experiences and the culture. So you, so you who would, makes who makes the connection with you to get, to get to Nashville slash Milwaukee? I mean, you mentioned Billy Coyston, but was it was it Paul Fenton? Was it 
um oh i can't think of his name uh kekalainen yeah. I mean, so, so it was so it was so what happened was so i come back and um so now i'm i leave finland and i come back here and i was i went to actually the new york islanders training camp before i got to milwaukee okay. so i go to new york islanders training camp i knew that i was not going to make the islanders um realistically i just i understood that and i get sent down to bridgeport and they released me from bridgeport and i was kind of like thought i was doing well um but obviously i wasn't in their in their mind so then soon as i was literally on the bus and um Claude had called me and said, Hey, do you want to come to Milwaukee? And I was like, who are you? <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. Like I don't, my, and long story short, uh, the next day I, I ended up literally getting in my car, drove home, gathered all my stuff up. And I took a 14, 16 hour drive and made it myself to Milwaukee. And that's how it started. But it started through Fenton and like the, um, like those guys. So, yeah. You uh, didn't play for Lane and Bridgeport. Uh, Lane was did, you did have Lane or did not? Lane Lambert. Yes. Yeah. Was he in Bridgeport yeah, yes. with you? Nope. So I had Claude Noel and Lane were the assistants in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, in but Milwaukee. in Bridgeport. But in Bridgeport, I know Lane. Lane came to Milwaukee from Bridgeport. From Bridgeport. But he wasn't yeah. there in 0405 when you joined. Uh, he was only there for the one season. Okay. No, That's he wasn't there. No, there was no connection with me and Lane until I got to Milwaukee. Okay. That's what I wanted to be clear about. Okay. Yeah. So they, they tell so Claude says you want to come and play and you say, yeah, what, what's the first thing you do? You do you look up the roster? Why? I mean, you got to drive, you just show up and be like, Hey, I'm Jason Guerrero. Nice to meet you. Yeah. And what the, the, the problem was too, is that I was kind of, I kind of pulled my groin the last day of camp. So I like was, I was up front with Claude and said, Hey, I, I'm kind of hurt right now. And he's like, that's fine. And you'll get here and we'll send you down to um, Rockford at the time. They were the UHL. Um, so I got there and literally went down as soon as I got healed up in Milwaukee, it wasn't long. It was like a week. I think I went down there, played two games, just a Friday, Saturday night. Um, I think I might've had two or three points and then I came right back. And then, you know, I, then I hit the, the ground running from there. So basically it was that conversation with Claude. And at the time, I mean, you know, you're just a, I mean, young professional. I just want to play hockey and prove myself that I can play and, have fun. It doesn't matter where I've obviously, I thought that I could play in the American hockey league. I thought there was obviously times and I thought I could play in the national hockey league, just like every other kid does. But, you know, I had that drive that I can play at this level. And then, you know, I it took some time to prove myself in Milwaukee, but there was moments there where I was playing with crazy Radulov and, and Rick Peverly on a line and, and enjoying my time on that line. But, you know, I, I, I thought I did okay for my time there. I want to get to that because it's one of my favorite moments in Admiral's history is that school day game in Grand Rapids. And I just looked this up because we were talking, we were, we knew we were talking to you that stretch of games. And we're talking about uh, that there was an eight, one school day game in Grand Rapids. And I, first off, I didn't realize that that was like basically your 10th game with the team. It was, it was really early in your career. Yeah. Second off that's, that was a stretch of 11 games in 15 days in like eight different cities, which is just cool. crazy. It was Omaha. Well, the Grand Rapids back to Milwaukee, Omaha. And then it was out East during Thanksgiving. Remember it was, um, it was Rochester. And then we drove to Hamilton to fly to Winnipeg, played yeah. two in Winnipeg. And then the equipment got locked up and we had that game in Hamilton on Sunday and we didn't remember, get there I'm... until, and then, so it was 11 games in 15 days, which is crazy. Wow, that's, that's, that's it can't that's even be allowed. It, it can't even happen be, anymore. It's illegal. No, but but it starts <laughs> it starts on a Tuesday in Grand Rapids where the Admirals smoke the Griffins in the in in a school day game, 
and you play a big part in it because you mentioned playing with Alex Radulov, who was a rookie and as skilled and as, I don't know that anybody enjoyed picking up a point on a stat sheet any more than Alex Radulov has <laughs> in the history of hockey. I, um, I, I but, love but, points. I love points, but he is like, he is, I mean, but that's why he's still playing. Right. And that's why he's a, you know, a dominant player in the NHL. He, yeah. When I you mean, watch him, when you watch him, sorry to interrupt, but he, when you, he scores and he still has, he has the same smile that he had in 2006, doesn't he? He, he just had like it. And then you think when he scores, it's his first NHL goal every time right. like, he's yeah. just that he's just so jacked up every time where like, you know, I'd score sometimes and be like, Whew, is this game almost over yet? Like I'm <laughs> like, like, and he is just like, and that's how he was it with in Milwaukee. And he was young. I mean, he was 17, 18 years old. He's a rookie. He's an 80, 87 birth year. He was drafted I, in 04. So yeah, he was drafted in 04. But anyway, he was, yeah, he just high on Red Bull all the time. And yeah. <laughs> so that game, and I've said the score a couple of times, 8 1. Um, he has five points in the game, um, maybe six. Six. And a goal and five assists. Yeah. Goal and five assists. And with about a, less than a minute and a half to go, he's going for number seven. Of course. Of course he is. <laughs> so- I, I re- I remember this perfectly. Go ahead. You take it from there. Yeah. So like you're saying, Rads is wants his sixth point, seventh point, eighth point. He's thinking there's a minute and a half. I can at least get two more. He's pissed off that Claude didn't put him back on the ice with like 30 seconds left. So he is now, and I have the video clip because I remember talking to you guys way back. It's like, can someone send me this, like the DVD or something? And I'm like, I got to watch this over and see like the play of events. He is like literally gets the puck like kind of in the neutral zone and he's like circles back and I get it. And I make him a pass, but then it should have been like a little give and go and he would have got it back. Like, I mean, anybody, my sister would have been like, oh, he should have been a little pass there and go. He literally like loops back and you can tell he's like, I'm going to get my seven point or whatever it was he wanted to get. And he starts dangling everybody in the neutral zone. And obviously if you're losing, you know, seven, one or eight, one, like you're the other team, you're going to be pissed. And sure enough, he going through the neutral zone gets in the zone and here comes I don't know who it was like two hands and hard and I'm like following up in the plane as you said like I'm new to the team and I know that I'm playing with this kid that could possibly end up playing in the NHL for a long time and Peverly I don't know if he was on the line at the time but whoever it was wasn't as tough as I was um (laughs) and I'm not that that tough at all at five at I'm not that tough at five foot six but he gets two hands so I now feel like I have to go in and help so I go in and I get caught with the wrong guy. Little I know that you're, you're allowed to throw uppercuts in a fight. So he starts bagging me, but there's less than, what was it? A minute and a half left? Less than that. Uh, yeah. A yeah. uh, minute 54 left. Minute okay. 54. Okay. So now I get, I get into this fight and I fought a few times in juniors, but like, I don't know anything. Um, my Jersey comes over my head. Uh, jersey comes off. I might've got a punch in her too, but in the end of it, I got fined for my jersey coming off over my head. Um, I got a fine for fighting under five minutes, I think it was. I think Claude. Yeah, yeah, instigator with. Yeah. Yeah, Claude got fined something as the head coach. And I think maybe the organization got fined too. And I was like, I was making peanuts. So I'm like, I hope I don't have to pay for this. Like, I hope like. (laughs) Rads. He's just, he was just, I mean. God bless him because like that was just the way he was. He just was, he wanted to get that next goal and, and credit to him. But I mean, yeah, I had like 
you know, I didn't get any stitches, but I had a, I was cut underneath my eye. My, I didn't have my fighting strap on because I don't fight. And I was stuck with all these fines and I'm scared that I'm going to get sent down now because it's my, you know, seventh game or whatever it was playing pro hockey. Right. And he got the two, five, 10. <laughs> what was the, what, and by the way, you had 37 PIMS that year. So 17 of them came in that one play. Um, <laughs> do you, do you remember, did he have a reaction to you? Did he say, Hey, thanks. Or Hey, good job nope. or anything like that. He just moved on. No, nope. he, he, it was like nothing ever happened. I remember, I remember Claude, coming in being like hey don't worry about it. good job appreciate it. rads was just like rads was actually pissed from early in the game where i didn't pass him the puck in a certain situation like that was the <laughs> conversation we had he literally was like he, you know they call me vladdy you know vladdy guerrero vladdy like you don't pass me puck you don't like you see me open i'm like i see you trust me i'm not as good as you i'm trying to get you the puck you already have six points like i i just want my first point you know like you know you know what I like about – one of my favorite things about that game is that it's a school day game, but there's so many goals and there's so many penalties. The whole – I mean, oh, I got the box score in front of me. Like, there's over 100 – there's 120 penalty minutes in the game. And uh, – but it's it goes so late that the, the schools have a hard cap, right? They've got to get the kids to the bus. So with 10 minutes to go in the third period, the entire stadium is gone. So nobody's watching. It's like you're playing a, a men's game, right? You're a pickup now, game. Like you're playing in this day. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like right. American Hockey League game right now in COVID. Yeah. Right. So all this is happening. All this is going down and there's nobody in the stands. <laughs> Does it, doesn't matter to Rad. So you could be playing a pond hockey <laughs> yeah. game. Does not matter. Yeah. I've asked, I think I asked you this when we spoke over the summer. Do you remember the game in Peoria? And he gets a 10 minute misconduct for abusive officials with like 10 Oh two to play in the game. And the admirals come back and score and the game is going into overtime and he's not on the bench. He, he thought he had been kicked out of the game. So he got dressed and was waiting on the bus. Do you remember yeah, that? So I saw that you talked about that. And I, I was thinking back, like, I actually don't remember that. Like, I don't like, it doesn't register, but like, yeah, for some for whatever reason, I didn't remember that that happening. Yeah, but that's bizarre. That's yes. like <laughs> he that would he have been at, him. That would have I'll, been him. He was so he was so ADD. I mean, he was young, right? He was so young, and he was a superstar already. He was being treated like one, but he was like it. You know, you hear these horror stories. I think Kevin Klein drove a car with him one time, and. Kevin never feared for his life like he did. <laughs> uh, yeah, ask Ryan, ask Ryan Costello about uh, about having to drive back from O'Hare with him, and he wanted to stop at Burger King at uh, two in the morning or whatever. It was late at night. He's got to stop at BK. <laughs> I mean, he, he was yeah, he was just a young kid, but he just like like I said, I think I said this to you guys before. Like he, we had to restrict him to like three Red Bulls a day. Like he like that. Like he would literally be playing ping pong by himself. And would just be chugging Red Bulls. I'd be like, like, Rad's like, this isn't like, it's not healthy. I'm fine. I'm fine. I play. You can't beat me. Like, <laughs> all right. Like, that's fine. okay. Like, yeah. you know, and if you beat them, you stay. We play again. Best of seven. I'm like, Rad's like, it's like four o'clock. Like we haven't eaten. Like I, I drank two Red Bulls. Like, like <laughs> I can't keep up. Like, right. he, I mean, he just was like you said, like ADD through the roof. Like he started it. Like he just like, but God bless him because he just, yeah. I mean, he had that drive and everything yeah, he did. That's, that's true. That, like, that should not be lost, right? Like, he no. he loves to play hockey, and he's always been he, – yeah. 
special in that way. Yeah, Yonks told us that you guys used to call him Benny because he would, in the middle of practice or whatever, he'd just be in the corner, just stick handling the whole time, just like he's the chef at Benny Hanna. <laughs> like, dude, be like, Benny, what are you doing? Like, go, you're up in the drill. Like, he's just sitting there, like, doing his thing, like, flipping up in the air. Be like, Benny, you're going to go. And if you tried to cut him in line, forget about it. Yeah. Like, he'd slash you over the forearms. Like, he just <laughs> – but, yeah, like you're, st- like you're saying, he just had that competitive drive, and he was just – that's it didn't matter if we were playing ping pong or whatever it was like even when we did pranks like he always wanted to like get the upper hand and it was like when it came to pranks like that i was not he played in the nhl but when it comes to pranks you're not going to beat me in that you're department. not beating but you he, no no well that's a that's a great segue i wasn't even going to go there right guy. now yeah. but you got to give us you got to give us some of your best pranks right like i i mean it is it so in the is it is it so in the guy's uh, uh pants shut or, or, you know, the legs shut on the pants. Is it putting the uh, uh, Kelsey Wilson's phone number or whatever? Oh, yes, you that's, did that. Oh, yes. That's one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> that's that's a good one. I think one of the ones like the little ones. And I, I remember listening or you guys were talking about Thur- Thurston, Andreas Thurston, about the egg, the egg thing in the microwave. Yeah, huh. I am. I, I have not reached out to him, but I'm almost positive that Jason Gross started that in 1999. In juniors, putting the, putting the egg in the microwave. I would do it at the end of a party. I would put it in and be like, see you guys in the microwave. Someone would be like, who's cooking something? I'd be already out the door and boom. But anyway, I'll give him, I'll, I'll, I'll give him, I'll let him have that. Um, yeah. And maybe we should, we should, we should mark the tape right now. Kids, even if you can't play in the NHL, you can be an NHL prankster. So listen up right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think one of, before we get to the phone number one, the one that I thought was like really good that pissed off uh, Matt Ellison was, um, Ellie was, um, I put his car on Craigslist. And <laughs> so he had like a, he had like a, I think like it was like a white, es- it was an Escalade. So like, you know, I'm driving around. I remember this Maxima. car, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I put his Escalade on Craigslist, but I put his phone number down. And the beauty of Craigslist is if you put the ad up, you got to take it down. So I left his uh, his escalate up there so every day he was just getting and i what i said was like escalate i'm moving uh ten thousand dollars cash you know first come first serve so for like a month he would just get call after call after call hey you know hey frank here just really interested in that escalate but i'd pick it up today pay you cash give you five grand over and ellie would be like i can't i called craigslist i'm trying to figure this out i can't take it down so like after like a month, literally a month of him getting calls, like every day, he was just like, we just kind of like, Hey, I, I, I think I blamed it on Kelsey Wilson. Cause we'd always battle. Um, and he found out that it was me, but cause it started because my buddy did it to me when I was in Milwaukee, he was playing in a different um, league and he put, he said I was selling Wii Nintendo. So like <laughs> I was getting calls every day, like, Hey Jason, I'll pick up that Wii Nintendo. And I'm like, what is going on? So eventually he told me, so then I'm like, all right, this is perfect. We're going to get Ellie because he was so serious and like couldn't prank him. And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Um, did you, did he ever know is, that it was you? I think he did. I think over time, like, you know, this every, no one's, no one's loyal anymore. They can't keep their mouth shut. There wasn't many yeah. Italians on that team. I Everybody was just going to say as an Italian guy, you not, you value nothing more than loyalty. No loyalty. I don't think there, I mean, say I see that Santa Relli, but he was like fake Italian. He had the gold chain, but I don't, I don't consider that. <laughs> um no but the best the best the best one is and this this the same guy that got me 
the with the Wii Nintendo, I got the idea from was I I got Kelsey Will, and back then you had the Blackberries and there's no code to get in your phone, and people just leave their phones around. So I changed in Kelsey's phone. I changed Claude Noel's my number in Claude Noel's name. So whenever Kelsey was going to call Claude, he would really. I mean, sorry, am I saying that backwards? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. In my in my phone, sorry, in my in my number in Kelsey's phone, I put Claude's number. So every time he would call me, he'd be calling Claude. So, but we we didn't really we hung out all the time. So we didn't really talk to each other, and texting wasn't big. We never really called each other. We went home, just went home. So we hung out all day. So we never called each other. So I forgot about it. Like weeks went by, and it was like a Saturday night, um, and it was late. It was like one or two in the morning, and we always had this battle that his black Lincoln was faster than my Nissan Maxima. We're lining up next to each other. It was freezing out. It might've been actually, yeah, it was freezing. I remember it was freezing. So we line up next to each other and I'm like, Ooh, this is a perfect time for to get him to call me, but really call Claude. So he, I, he's like going like this, like, he's like, put, roll down your window. And I'm like, it's like, it's cold. Like, no, no, no. And I go like this, like, call me. So now I see him go like this. And I, then I roll my window down. So he rolls the window down too. And he's yelling into the phone, shake and bake, Vladdy, shake and bake. And I just take off. I just take off because I know that it's two in the morning and he did not call me. He called Claude at his house. So now. And he's a rookie, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and tough. So I got to be careful what I'm doing with him. But I, this, so now it's Saturday and Sunday we don't have, we don't have practice. This, this poor bastard doesn't know where I live. He can't call me because he realizes if he calls me, he's going to call Claude again. Because he realized, I, I'm assuming that he realized he called Claude. Uh, hold, can I, let me just pause you real quick. I think what happened is he called once and Claude answered and he's like, I'm so sorry, wrong number. So he calls him back right away and he's gone. Well, he, and what he, he heard, but what happened was, because when I came into the office on Monday, Claude knew that I was like the prankster. So Claude was like, Vladdy. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> So, but Claude heard he was him and his wife were up, like enjoying a glass of wine or something. And he heard he heard uh, Kelsey say, "Shake and bake, Vladdy, shake and bake." So he, Coach knew that he was Vladdy. He was like, "Oh gosh!" So he had me. So basically, I get into practice on Monday. I get there early because I'm like, "All right, I got to see how this develops. Like, what's going to happen here?" So Claude gets me, and he's like, "We're going to keep this going." He's like, "I, I was me and my wife were dying laughing. It's hysterical. <laughs> we're going to have to change his number back eventually." So Kelsey comes in and I'm like, he sees me. He's like, dude, buddy, I, I think I called, I think I called Claude on Saturday. I was like, what? What do you mean you called Claude? I thought you called me. We were just having fun. Like, he's like, no, I called Claude. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I'm like, actually, it's kind of funny. I was like, Claude wants to see you. So I'm like, I'm like, in the way you can see in the rink, I don't know if it's still the same way in the back office there, yeah. you can see around the corner like the weight room kind of, and I'm watching Kelsey talk to like Claude and I'm like, and Kelsey's like, and he's a tough kid. And he's just like, like, just like a, like a little kid now. And then all of a sudden I see Claude starting to die laughing. And I see Kelsey get that look in his eye and he looks and he catches eyes with me. And I'm like, Oh, oh boy. I'm like, so I'm now I'm running like around the Bradley center and Kelsey's like chasing me down. <laughs> Cause he was so like, Kelsey thought he was going to get like sent down and he's like, it's over. I call coach at two in the morning. 
so that was like the ongoing thing, like trying to steal guys' phones and change numbers. Uh, but, the, because, but then after that, it was like Fort Knox on your phone. Like that was just locked up. But that, that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so yeah, it's, it, it's It's awesome that Claude wanted to be in on it. I didn't, he, I had no idea that part. Oh, I'd never heard that before. He was the, be- he was the, be- I was worried. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm just five foot six Guerrero. Like, not on the NHL contract like everybody else. And I'm like, I'm the first one to go. Like, I'm like going to be gone. <laughs> and he also he said my name out loud. So like, I'm clearly like done. But Claude thought it was hilarious because he always got a kick out of it. Like Claude yeah. always be like, okay, who, who'd you put the, um, who did you put, which Powerade under the helmet? Who'd you do today? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I got, I got, I got Yonkman today. I'm like, but please don't tell him. But like, please don't tell Yonks. He's like, I won't. So Claude would always like be like, Let's go. Let's have a good practice day, Yonks, and Yonks to take us home out. And Claude would be like looking for it. Like he wasn't in on it, but he was yeah. like excited. He, was to in be on like, it. he wants to see the what happens. Yeah. And then we get out and practice, and no one would be like, who was it? And Claude would be like, I think it was Flatty. I'm like, Claude, like what? Like, <laughs> like come on. Especially Yonks, right? Like you want to talk about throwing uppercuts. He, you're not throwing, he's not throwing any uppercuts on you, unfortunately for you. No, but the good thing about like why I sometimes went after the bigger guys like him and Hank was Alex Henry is because like they're six five six six like they're not going to beat up on a. Five, they would feel bad guy. beating you up. Exactly. So I knew uh, like I knew my market. I knew my uh, market. Although, and, go and Alex Henry could do whatever he damn well pleased. Oh God! Yeah, I've never seen me up. Did not not the Tanner Janot, who's a player for us now, who our fans will recognize. He is the next, since Alex Henry's been here, we have a nobody with shoulders like Alex Henry until Tanner Janot showed up. Alex Henry was like he had basketballs uh, for, for, for deltoids. It was just insane. Who did Hank yeah. fight? Do you remember? Because I remember saying he threw him like a rag doll. But, I mean, he literally did. Do you remember that at the Bradley Center? He had a guy by the back of the neck, and he, it was like the guy was a mop. Like, he yeah. just waved him around. Um. I mean, he fought that a lot of people, anybody. right? What's that? Yeah, he fought. He, he fought a lot of guys. I'm trying to think. I remember him. Rag was it? The one fight that I remember we talked about this was the only fight that he, I ever saw him lose was the um, the Scott from Houston. Um, oh, yeah, John Scott. Yeah, wow. yeah, that was the only one. But the fight that I remember the most was in Chicago. I don't know if you guys remember this. There was um, it was in warmups. There was no refs on the ice. It was in warmups right. in Chicago, and I wanted to fight that little Brett Sterling so bad. He was like a little, I mean, he was a good player. Um, he was a, he was a little, yeah, great player, great player. And I, in my head, I was like, Ooh, I can fight this guy. And he's a college can, guy. He's your size. Exactly. And he's way better than I am. So I'm getting him off the ice. For and five I minutes. Yeah. Oh. So it's perfect. So like I'm chirping him, I'm chirping him in warmups, like a lot. Like I'm just giving it to him. I'm firing pucks down at his feet. And then I think the guy's name was like DeVoe, DeVoe. Yeah, Andre DeVoe. DeVoe. Andre DeVoe. A humongous individual. Yeah. So he, he jabbed me in the back of the legs and was like, cut it out, you little shit. And like, so Alex Henry sees this and comes right over. And it was like a schoolyard fight. They squared off in warmups. Everybody piled around. They fought. <laughs> it was all the, the way fight. down the line. Yeah. Did all the way down. Square off all the way down the center ice line, right? No refs yeah. were out there, no officials. Nothing. No, nothing. And then the, the fight goes and I'm trying to get at Sterling, but I'm like, all right, I want a bench clear because I'm not good in that setting. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to fare well for myself, but so the fight happens and then they end it themselves and we go back to warmups. Yes, exactly. Yes. Really? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, this is unbelievable. Like nothing ever happened. And then we just go in the locker room and all right, play the game. Yeah, the time, the clock kept going. It just wound <laughs> yeah. down. Yes, it, I, yes, I totally remember it. That's yeah. that's crazy. I, I, I've always, it's always mystified me that the ref, they can't send out a lot. Uh, I mean, there's four. And now at every game, there's four of them. You can't send one of them out to watch warmups. And that doesn't really, that stuff doesn't happen so much anymore. But especially if, you know, if you know there's bad blood between two teams, like why would, why even go there? Why not just send a guy out and have him watch? But yeah, because, because what, what, what would happen was, because I was, a, I was a little bit of a rap and being five, six, you can, and you can get away with it. No one's going to like a bigger guy's not going to beat you up. You got to be careful, but like always against Chicago, they'd always put their pucks in like a tight pile as before you did the three on two and they come back and they'd be all nice and neat. And I'd wait for them to get nice and neat. And I would take a slap shot and just break them all up. And they'd turn around and I'd just be like, you know, like, not me. I'm five foot six. Like, I don't, I don't know. But it just like anything to rattle. Like, and then they'd put them all back together and I'd be like, whack. And they'd blow them up again. But I lived with Alex Henry. We became right. like really, really good friends. We became really good friends. So like, I had him, I had him in my corner. So like, I, I mean, just knew. But, like, but talk about that. Talk about an odd couple. He's six, five, you're five, six. You talk all the time. He never says anything. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was perfect. Like, I mean, those were the, him and, and Yonklin were the two guys and, and Alec and um, Kelsey, but like those two guys, like I hung out with the most and it's like five foot six, six foot six, six foot five. (laughs) But it was perfect because Alex, he would, Hank would, he never said anything. And I'm like, there we go. (laughs) Like trying to get it out of him. I'm like, Come on, Hank. You want to do something? Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Let's go. Let's. <laughs> I. Not very many players have intimidated me in my time here, and not because I'm tough or anything, but like you know, just you know what I mean. Like, but he was one of them because he was so quiet, stoic, stoic, stoic yeah. right? Like I didn't know if he was pissed off at me or mm-hmm. or what, because and and, and after a, a couple of months and you get into it and you just realize that's his personality. But like I was, in, I was scared of this guy. Uh, definitely, think, no question. I think a lot of people were. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was just quiet. You had to get it out of him, and I think that was like the perfect roommate. I remember his girlfriend uh, and wife now, Megan. Yeah, she. Uh, I'd be like, is he always this mute? Like, is he? She's like, you just got to get it out of him. I'm like, all right, I'll I'll get it out of him. Yeah, so, that was good. Uh, I, this wasn't really a prank. This wasn't really a prank, but. I remember this and I still laugh about it to this day when I see uh, when I see the word Big Mac. We had a guy on our team who was a little bit bigger, strike that, he was a lot bigger. And uh, Jason Nordby was starting the Breakfast Club, right? Players pitching money. And this is before, this is, you know, nowadays breakfast is provided for all the players, everything like that. And, uh, but back then it wasn't, it was like, yeah, you showed up at the, at the, at the rink. You, hey, you want a bagel? You can have a, a bagel and a coffee. That's all you got. But Jason Norby. Yeah. Norbs wanted to do, uh, he wanted to do something more for the guys. And so, okay, everyone chip in 20 bucks a month and I'll go out and buy what you guys want. That's the fuel that you think that you need. And so he wrote up on the front board, uh, just on the whiteboard where the coaches do uh, game prep and practice prep. He writes up on there. Okay write down your number and what you want. And you went up there <laughs> and everyone's writing down it's oatmeal or it's, you know, bananas or whatever. Everything's healthy. And you went up there and write, wrote down this guy's number dash big max. 
And I just, I mean, I, I smile. I certainly smiled the rest of that day after I saw that. And I still smile about it. When I see, when I hear the word Big Macs, I was like, that is so, that was so funny. Uh, just I in mean, a very I, immature sense. I mean, the way, the way, immature, I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, I, the way I just, the way I, I mean, I just always, um, I just always like to have fun. And I, and there is a time and place where like, I mean, I obviously worked out and took things seriously, but I'm like, there was always, there's always an opportunity <laughs> to do something, to prank somebody or, or, you know, not go too far, but enough. Like I kind of knew the, that yeah. line and I'm just like, poke, I would poke. Yeah. Poke. Like I'd think about, I'm like, maybe I get punched in the face, but that's not that bad. Like, I'm just going to do it. Like, we'll see what happens. Like, and I've got a good, I haven't been hit yet and I still do the pranks. Um, but yeah, like something like that with, you know, the player we won't name. I'm like, this is a perfect a no opportunity. Brainer. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm surprised I just wrote Big Mac. I mean, I'm sure like bacon, egg and cheese, double omelet with, you know, prosciutto <laughs> and whatever. But have you met your um, equal? Have you met your equal? Have you coached uh, anybody who is on par with any of this stuff? Times have changed, obviously. Like we got everything on our phones now. I mean, you you had alluded to that earlier. The even the passwords and all of that stuff. Have you met anybody like this other than the guy that maybe you who inspired you, who you played with, and was in Finland or whatever? Um, I know that. Just I mean, they, like you said, things are different, and I think everybody like. I mean, kids do stuff behind the scenes, like, you know, and I hear things like our college guys, um, but college, college, I coaching college plays a lot different than coaching, you know, pro players Pros. where you, there's, you gotta be careful with things you say. And, you know, you can't like be associating yourself outside of the rink. Like you can't, I can't just stop, even though they like, Hey, come by and have a beer. Like I'd love to, but yeah. I, I, uh-uh. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I don't think there, I mean, I'm sure there might be a kid or two, but there's no one that, like even some of the ideas, like they ask, like, you know, things that I've done. I talked about like, you know, jamming the parking meters and like, what? And I'm like, yeah, well, like, that, that, didn't, just, that didn't end. That, that didn't end. That, well. needs, that needs to happen. That that's the conversation we need, uh, that we, we need to go to next. I think. Yes. Because uh, I don't know if you've been in Milwaukee since then, but uh, they, they may still be looking for you. They definitely changed the parking meter since I left. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, do you want me to tell that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, tell the like, story. It's, it's a classic. It's and and tell what happened. Tell not just what you did, but what, what stopped you from doing it. Well, yeah. So, so again, like I got this one from a, a kid that I played with in Boston. Um, in Boston, they're slippery in Boston. So, so like the <laughs> kids from Boston, like they're, they're some slippery guys. So a guy I played with name is um, Michael Ryan. who played in the NHL a little bit. Yeah. Um, scouts for the Florida Panthers now. He was my roommate. I played a line with him for two years. Great player. Still talk to him. So he taught me the trick in Boston. Like, so the meters, when you just put the coins in, the old school one, if you put a piece of paper, like a small piece of paper and put it in, and then you put like a penny in and it jams. And on the other side of the meter where the parking lady sees, it just, it'll say out of order. So you get free parking. So we would go at Milwaukee. We had to get dressed at the Bradley Center. Just like you drive in. No, right. this is, I mean, this is, this is like kind of like COVID times right now with what we did. Right. You get dressed at the Bradley center. Then we drive our cars up to the current center, but there was no parking. You had to park on the street. And yep. we always, what happened was we would, the parking, we'd be there longer than two hours. So we, everybody would get tickets. Not me. I was not getting any tickets, no tickets. So what I would do is I would get the piece of paper. I'd 
plug the meter. Mine would say out of order. Everybody else would be lined up orange tickets. And so everybody kind of like was like, what are you doing, Vladdy? And I'm like, all right, I'll share my secret. I'll let it go. So now we have, you know, 10, 15 cars. All the meters on the street are all out of order. So, you know, life, life's good. No one's getting tickets. Everything's great. So uh, you're, you're the team here. hero, for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah, finally, I, I, I scored, right? So um, everybody's saving money. So what happened was, and I remember very clearly, remember why, in, in practice, live practice, and um, police officer, I think there might have been two, just like kind of walking down the back side of it behind the benches. And I'm just like, oh, that's odd. Like, whatever, just go about my drill. And calls over Claude in the middle of practice. And I'm like, oh boy, like this isn't good. And I'm not thinking about the meters. I don't think about anything. I'm just thinking, oh boy, did someone get in trouble? Yeah, what did, what did one of the boys do? Yeah, so Claude stops practice. I'm like, oh boy, like I'm looking around, like everybody's here, like no one got hurt or anything. And Claude's like, um, has anybody been jamming the meters uh, up on, I don't remember the street. And I'm like, no, like looking around, like, nope. Has anybody been jamming the meters like, like on the street? I'm like, I'm looking around like, it was like, oh boy, no one say my name. Everybody else is doing it. So everybody's guilty now. So Claude goes to Kelsey Wilson. He goes, Kelsey, have you jammed the meters? He's like, no coach. No, what do you mean? Like, no. And, and then the police officer had a picture of Kelsey, <laughs> like jamming the meter. Like someone must've been doing like <laughs> investigating work. And the cop was just like, guys, you got to stop jamming the meter. So we start practice right away after that. Kelsey's like, you know, what, like I get in trouble all the time. So after practice, Claude's like, Vladdy, like, come over. And I'm <laughs> no. like, here like, no. he's like, have you been, have you been jamming the meters? I'm like, yeah, coach. Like I was doing it myself, but then like everybody else, like I let everybody else do it. And we got caught. He's like, that's an unbelievable prank. That's unbelievable. <laughs> he's like, please don't, please don't do it again. So, I mean, we were, and now they switch the meters. Like you can't, yeah, I, wow. I always see those old meters. And if I see it, I'll still put a piece of paper and jam it just to jam it, <laughs> just to be like, yeah, you, you got, you, you, alive. you, right. You, you put, took one over on the man. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. And now we, well, for, first of all, now the Bradley center is gone. It's destroyed. Yeah. It's been gone for a while. So we're over at uh, what was the, the Mecca or the U S cellular arena when you were here across the street. Um, but, uh, we still, so we practice here a lot more, but at the, we do practice sometimes at the current center, but guys have swipe cards now to, so I think we have four or five of them. So every guy's just got a, got a carpool and you go and they drive in the, in the parking structures. They don't even have the opportunity to be successful. Like you had. The other thing that we used to do on the way to the current center, and this was again, like, I don't mean to start the, it wasn't really a prank. It was like a fun game. So we're in our gear and I made this like jelly ball, like I bought a jelly ball and I wrote my name on it. And I started with, I said, listen, when we go to practice, whoever has that jelly ball. So if we're driving and I peg Nolan Yachman's car, you're responsible for that ball. So if I hit your car, you got to get out of your car and get the ball. And if you don't bring it back, it's a hundred dollar fine. So you, and then you had that ball. So it was yours. So you'd be like, four guys in, in like my Nissan Maxima and I'd have like Kelsey Wilson out the window and throwing a ball at like Alexander Radulov's car and he'd get out, stop the brakes, grab the ball with his equipment on, get back in and then go to practice. 
<laughs> and it just became like the ongoing thing that, and if you lost the ball, you had to pay a hundred bucks to the, the, the rookie party or whatever it was. So it just, and then you write your name on it and it just became this thing that, you know, you're just driving around with your equipment on just like, and, and if you missed, that was the worst. Cause you're like, crap, like, go on. Park, park the car and go run and get it. <laughs> so, so dangerous, so dangerous, but like it was, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, what I love about all of these? These are great stories, but it was your first year too. Like you were technically a rookie as well. And you had the balls to do this. I just, I absolutely love that. Yeah. I just like, I, I mean, I was always intimidated by some of these guys just be, because of like, you know, some of their backgrounds and how like guys that play in the NHL, but it, it, like my dad used to say to me, he's like, you know, they, like at being a smaller guys, like they tie their skates, they tie their skates the same way as you do, you know, right. like they're, you know, like they might be better at something than you, but like, you know, you tie your skates, you tighten them up, let's go. So I never really looked at it that way. But sometimes when you look back and I'm like, probably should have been pranking Pekka Rene like on a Friday night game, like probably not smart. Like, <laughs> But I mean, out of all the guys that would probably laugh about it, I mean, geez, have you, uh, uh, there's never been a nicer superstar than Pekka Rene or maybe just yeah, a nicer he, guy in general. Yeah, I laid off the goalies actually, but Pekka was the best. He was the best. The guy I went after always was Kelsey Wilson. He was easy. Um, easy. <laughs> Andreas Thurston, we yeah, Thurry we would have Thurry would have battles. Santarelli was like a baby; he didn't really like it when I pranked him, so I left him alone. It was no fun. The Yonkman was a lot of fun because he'd get mad and then try to get you back, but he wasn't good at it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like you just had I, yeah, I try to get everybody. I just just whatever. Although Kelsey Wilson did saran wrap my car with like the industrial. Yes. I yeah, remember like, that very well. Yeah, yeah, he did that. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> that was right around, if I'm not mistaken, that was right around now, wasn't it? Wasn't it in the springtime? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nice out. Yeah, because what he was trying to do, um, and he didn't get away with it, someone caught him and ratted him out. He tried to steal my keys out of out of my like coat or my jacket or whatever it was. And he wanted to take my car and like just dump it somewhere. So when I came out of the rink, he'd be like, where's my car? And then put my keys back in my pocket. So, yeah. But he failed. I, I, I got actually, eyes. I did that. Uh, I did that to a guy in my first or second year with the Admirals. There was a guy in our office who just loved his car. He had like a Dodge Avenger or something. I don't know. I don't know cars. And like he just this he all he talked about was this car half the time. So I I knew where he put his keys. I opened his drawers one time when he was up in a meeting or whatever it was. I went and just moved his car up a level and the parking structure. And he freaked out. He called the he called the cops. Right and. <laughs> Right after you, at that point, I was like, hey, I think I, I think I just saw your car up on the second floor. Like, and he knew it was me who did it and he wasn't yeah, happy, right. but, and he could have easily beaten me up because I'm just a, you know, a shrimp anyway. But that's, but I those figured are the he guys, wouldn't because it'd be too easy. But those are the guys you got to go after. The guys that just are like, I mean, I say loud. I don't think I'm loud. I'm just, I don't know. It used to be called a snake too when I was in in junior hockey and college, like not that I'm like sneaky, but I just know how to maneuver and, and I'll go after you. And if you talk a little too loud, I'll find a way to get you back and I'll be quiet, you know, and I don't know. It's just fun. It's all good yeah. fun. Like I'm not trying to hurt anybody or do anything, but some guys like Santarelli were sensitive, like don't touch. He had like this, I think it was like a Lincoln Mark LT truck. Really nice. Really nice. And like, God forbid you like got in it and sat in it. I don't think he let anybody even sit in it. So it was like, okay, I can't go after him. Like, but anyway, it's all good fun. 
that that year that 0607 season collectively it was it was a transition year because the admirals had just come off a stretch of mm-hmm. a lot of the same guys darren haydars and greg clausen's and a lot brian finley's and there were so many guys so there were so many new faces to milwaukee yourself included but cal was in his first full year and john vigilante and kelsey we mentioned and carl Gehring was there that season um pat Leahy, and all mm-hmm. these guys that uh that ramsey abid i mean it was it was so so many new faces and do you remember it being a challenge maybe you didn't because you you were dove in right away with all of this stuff but do, do you remember it being hard to build a team with all those new faces i i you know what in in I played on a lot of teams. I've been pretty lucky, um, but there were, there was just, they were all really good guys. You know, like there was no, like, you know, I give, I give Santa Rally crap, but he was a, he was a tremendous player, great player, obviously played in the NHL. Um, but they were all like really like genuinely good guys. And we all wanted to, you know, try to achieve the same goal and everybody worked hard in practice. I remember there was like, even the guys that were like up and down, like from the coast of the American league, like Kevin Wolanski or John, uh, the Liberty, like, those guys, like when they got there, like they wanted to, like when the work was work, like we worked and we, we, and I think a lot of that had to do with Claude and Lane and the structure from, you know, the top down. Um, but they were, yeah, we were all new faces, but everybody were like genuinely good guys with the same goal. Obviously guys wanted to get up to the NHL, but you know, there was no looking back on it. There was no like, you know, like pricks or assholes that, you know, you didn't want to be around. Like I could have hung out with anybody any day and it, it would have been the same. Like, I mean, I had my few guys that I would go out to lunch with, but it was a, it was a good group. It was a really good group of guys. You, you mentioned Claude. You've, we've talked about Claude a few times here. Uh, just talk about what it was like to play for him. And I mean, he's obviously, he's the most successful coach from a, a success in the playoffs perspective in Admiral's history. Uh, went on to be an NHL coach what was it like for you to play with him? Uh, we always joke, like you sort of knew you were in trouble when, when you got the question, Hey, Vladdy, how was, how was your game tonight? Or how was your game last night? Like you just knew you weren't given the right, whatever you said, it wasn't going to be the right answer. You know, and that, and, and, and to him and even Lane, but like with Claude, like a lot of things that he did as a coach is what I do now with, with, with the guys that I coach and I've taken from him because he was very, um, like you said, like, you know, how was your game? He always would, he wouldn't just say something to you. Like, you know, you got to do this. You got to do that. He'd always say, Vladdy, what were your, what were your thoughts here? Like, what were you thinking here in this play? Or, you know, what do you think you could have done better tonight to make us better? The way he said things made you respect him as like, you know, again, I'm just an American league player, probably bottom of the barrel kind of guy on that team that kind of found my way but he gave me that same respect as he did maybe Radulov or Peverly, these guys that play in the NHL, but it was his approach with his players. I feel was just very different than a lot of coaches that I've um, that I've played for just how he said things. He was very personable. He'd ask how things are going. Like he'd always give you a fist bump. You know, it wasn't, you, you didn't, you feared him, but you respected him too. And it wasn't just the fear like, Oh, that's the head coach. Like, I don't know if I should go ask, like if there was an issue or I had a question, I could, I felt very comfortable going to talk to Claude and he, a lot of times he would ask like, you know, what do you think on the power play here? Like on this side, like, do you think we should kind of, you know, should we do a little roll here? We should hit the bumper guy. Like he'd always ask your thoughts. And I, and I do that with our players now where instead of just being like, you should do this or you should go here, you know, what's your thoughts. And then we can kind of talk and debate about it. And in the end, he's obviously the head coach and he makes those decisions, but 
I think he was just a great players coach and he just related to all of his players and found a way to get the most out of each player um, that was on his team. I think that's why he's been so successful. Yeah. yeah. And the, ne- the next season then you mentioned Lane too, the next season he becomes the head coach. So is that an easy transition for you uh, as a player? You had him as an assistant, but obviously it's a different role as the head coach. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he had a lot of things that he did like Claude, um, Claude, um, he was a little bit tougher. Like he was harder on me. Um, you know, I had some ups and downs that season a little bit. So he was, he was on me a lot and was just very in, and I've always responded well to, um, like guys getting in my face a little bit. Um, so he got into me a lot and it, some, some guys put their tail between their legs and be like, you know, screw this. Like I'm going to ask for a trade or I'm done or, you know, I, so I respected him in that way. And I think he knew that I could handle that too. Um, you know, he gave me responsibility as a leader on the team. And, you know, I, 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 two of the best coaches that I had in pro hockey, you know, they just, they, they gave me an opportunity. Um, like I said, five foot six playing in the American hockey league. And they saw some things in me as a player that maybe a lot of people didn't. Then I'm thankful for that opportunity from both of them. I'm, I'm curious what you would say you played in the American hockey league and you played in that, in that Finnish league in the top league in Finland. We like to say that, you know, Russia has something to say, Sweden has something to say, all of that, but the American Hockey League is the second best league in the world, right? Just, And it, it's it's kind of arrogant to stay, say it that way. Uh, it's certainly the top developmental league, but what is the best league you played in? Is it that Finnish league or is it the American League? You know, like, I mean, things could change right now, but obviously this is 2005, 2006, I was in Finland, and 607, 708 was in Milwaukee, but I kind of thought that the Finnish league was better, harder than the American league. I sure. really thought that, you know, and I'm not well, playing American league. Seasoned pro, some... They're seasoned pros there. And, and a lot of names. Yeah. Like Lume, there was, there was a lot of guys that went back home to finish their careers at 33, 34. They were still young enough to play. And there's a lot of guys that in Finland that I'm like, this guy can easily play in the American League. But a lot of them were making such good money that they didn't want to go through the grind of an 80-game schedule, move from their families, that they're like, you know, I'm making three to 500 euro a year. I can just live in my hometown, you, right. you know? So why do I need to go play in the American League for less money and run around with the 80-game schedule? So I, there was pros and cons to it. But, man, I, I remember when I was playing Milwaukee, I actually would never say this out loud, but I was like, seems a little a little easier and it's not easy don't get me wrong the american league is not easy but i just felt that i could do some things that i couldn't do in finland um for whatever reason that is um but a lot of things over there are north american size too so it's very similar yeah yeah i was actually just going to ask that like were you a better player on a north american sized rink uh or are you better on the uh, uh on sort of the east west game on the uh, on the olympic sheets I, so you would think that I would like Olympic sheet, but I, I don't like, I'm not the fastest guy. Even people think like, Oh, he's small. He's, but, you're, I don't. but you're solid though. And that's why I thought maybe you'd like the, uh, the Americans, uh, the American, uh, North American rinks. Yeah. I like North American. Like I actually like the smaller rinks. Cause I felt that, and you guys can agree or disagree and it's fine, but I felt that I saw the game well enough that I liked that in tight areas, I can try to draw someone to me and make that play in the bigger rink no one's ever going to run at you because they don't want to be too exposed. So I never had that. I mean, you can still make plays, but I, I personally, I liked the smaller ranks because I felt like oh, you sure. can get some of the, you know, less talented, smarter players that come at you. And then you make those little plays. Yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, go ahead, Aaron. No, please. 
after two years in Milwaukee, you decide to go back over to Europe, uh, to Switzerland, to VISP. Actually, a guy, uh, one of our uh, uh, guys that we've uh, talked to on this podcast before, Mark Van Gilder, has played in VISP. I don't think he ever played against uh, Van. He's a little bit younger than you. Uh, why, though, head back over to Europe? Did you have AH, other AHL offers? What was Nashville telling you? And, uh, and just give us a little insight into your European experience. Yeah. So like I just, so in, in, in Milwaukee, again, I'm on American league deal and you know, the salaries, I mean, I, I've kind of, I really lost touch with what salaries are anymore, but I was, I was low in a sense of a salary. Um, you know, and I felt that I was doing my best in the American league to try to get called up. And, you know, I, I got a good contract to go to Europe, you know, over six figures that I was like, it's going to be yeah. tough to pass up, you know? And, right. So I, I took it. Do I look, do I regret it? No, because I, I still had a great experience in, in, in Europe. And my thought was, you know, maybe I could go there and then try to impress some guys there and maybe even come back. Um, so I kind of just, and then halfway through the year in Switzerland, I realized that there's only two imports and if I don't produce, I get fired and I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up going to the Austrian league, but you know, I, I have no regrets in, in leaving Milwaukee and leaving the American league, but my time in Milwaukee, I'd say, you know, was very like up there with the best years that I had in pro hockey, just because of, again, that group from you guys, you know, to the owners, like it was just, it was just an ace of a program to play for. And that's what made it so much fun. Hey, real quick. We were talking about, you're talking about guys that easy to prank and all of this stuff. And I don't know why it just struck me now, but Br Bracken Kearns was on that team. Your, your first year as well. Oh, six, oh, seven. Uh, and yeah. he was a little older when he got to this level. Right. Canadian uh, university kid. Um, yep. I, where does he fit? It, it would seem to me that he would fit in kind of with you. Like he would be uh, along for the ride on that stuff. He he was. And he, so his little click was like Vidge and Cal. Um, yeah. Like he was in that little group, <clears throat> but he was actually pretty good. Like he wasn't, he didn't do a lot, but when he did stuff, like he was good. So I was like, Ooh, I don't want to mess with him. Like he's like, he's, he's a quiet one that like sneaky that, cause he wasn't loud in the locker room. He didn't need to be. And that just shows like, that's him too, because I mean, he worked hard and then finally got his time in the NHL. Right. So he just put in his time, like, keep your mouth shut, put your head down, work hard. You'll get there. You'll get there. You'll get there. But when we would do those little pranks, like Cal, like I still talk to Cal every once in a while. He was, he was a piece of cake with the pranks, but Brack, he was always just, he was, he would lurk in the weeds where you had to be careful. So I stayed away from him. I was smart. Do you think he learned from his dad? Uh, some of these pranks, do you think his dad was telling him, Hey, here's, here's a good one. Here's what we used to do back in the seventies. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you plant corn, Maybe. you get corn, you plant corn, you get corn. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get, was coaching always going to be it for you? Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it, again, there's only 61 division one teams in, in uh, 61 division one hockey teams in the country. So, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to be a college coach um, just because you have that structure of having guys for four years, but I kind of got lucky and fell into it um, because it's hard to get jobs. Like it just really yeah. is. I mean, there's only so many, there's only two assistants for every team. So you only got 120 there, 122. Um, so but I knew that, you know, from my junior coach, Tony Curtelli, who played in the NHL a long time ago, um, and kind of going through college, my assistant that I had, Jamie Rice, um, at Northeastern, like, 
And then obviously the Claude and Lane and those guys and how they dealt with me and made me a better hockey player and found ways to get stuff out of my game that I knew I didn't have. I wanted to give that back. And, you know, here we are now. And I'd like to, I hope to think that some of these guys that I've coached and, you know, in years to come might say those things about me. Yeah. How, how did, how did you end up at, uh, you talked about, you sort of got lucky. How'd you end up at Holy Cross? Yeah. So Holy Cross was like, so I got done playing in Europe and I had hip surgery and it basically, it ended my career and I was kind of, you know, you know, um, like kind of networking, seeing like, I want to get into coaching and it was actually a part-time full-time work. Don't get me wrong, but it was part-time yeah. pay. Um, and the guy that had the job at Holy Cross assistant was a Canadian and he got stuck at the border and couldn't get into the country. No kidding. Yeah. Because at the border, he said that he was a teacher and the border called and they were at the school and the school's like, no, nah, he's a hockey coach. And they're like, yeah, you're lying. You're staying in Canada. Oh so this happened. Yeah. So that opened up the spot. And this was like just before season starts. So no one was available. And the guy that I had at Northeastern, uh, Jimmy Rice was best friends with the head coach at Holy Cross. And just said, Hey, you might want to hire this guy. He lives, he lives around, lives like an hour away. And I was, I got the job. He shook my hand that day. And I said, all right, when do I start? Unreal. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yes. So then I did that for two years, um, at at full part-time pay, but full-time work recruiting, you know, doing the thing. And then I just interviewed for the job at Yale and didn't think that I would even get it because I only been coaching two years and I got lucky and I got it. So I was there for two years and then made a family decision to come back to Boston and got the job at Brown. That's great. Wow. That's great. So we mentioned this at the outset, the year off, but, uh, getting what do you hear are you kind of planning that everything is going to be going the the 21 22 school year is going to be going as planned i think so i I mean it seems like it uh i mean with everybody getting vaccinated and i mean i i think so i mean but there was times when i was optimistic that we were gonna have a season too so um but I, if I had a better dollar, I think we're, I think, I don't think it's going to be normal. Um, but I think we will obviously give an effort as a university and hopefully all the Ivies can agree to do the same thing and, and have a season. Cause you know, our guys, I mean, it's, it's a long time not being with our guys to be on the ice with them and, and practice. And some of these teams are playing, so it's going to be, it's going to be uh, interesting come, uh, you know, September. Have you done the Zoom meetings with the team throughout the year and, and break down by position or whatever it whatever you have to do just to be in touch and be still have a team concept, a team feel? Yeah, you do, but it's like, I mean, at the same time, like I do a lot of things I do as coaching. I think back as me as a player, I'm like, you know, what 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 can I like what can we talk about? Like, you know, like we can break down stuff and I can talk to players, but after three or four months, I'm like, we're not like I can't break down your shifts. Like we can go over all that stuff. So it's been kind of just staying in touch and, and texting with guys and, you know, but no, there isn't, it's hard. It really is like, we'll have team meetings and it's like, I can see our guys like just being like, kind of like, all right, well, we're just talking to talk. It's an office meeting on zoom. Exactly. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So that's why I think it'll be, it'll be exciting because we got the renovations that'll be done. Uh, new guys coming in, you know, um, so I, it, it'll be a fresh start for everybody. It'll be, it'll be exciting come September. Charlie, got anything else? No, I'm that that's uh, we've taken up enough of your time as with uh, you stuck in the mail room, right? You know what? Yeah. Well, you know what? Two things. One, 
Um, we didn't talk about Pekka, and I know you have a great reverence and a great deal of respect for Pekarina when you playing with him for oh, a couple yeah. of seasons in Milwaukee. You, you talked about playing with Tuka Rask in Finland, but uh, just real quick, uh, your time with Pekka. Yeah, so Pekka, I mean, still this day, if I text him, um, he texts right back. Like he just, you know, when I was in, when I was working at Holy Cross, we were a low budget team and we had to do fundraising and he was the first guy. I, and I always felt guilty, like asking guys if I can get like something like a stick or something, but I text Peck. I'm like, Hey, you think I can get a Jersey? Um, you know, not your Jersey, but like, a, you know, a Jersey signed when he's in Nashville uh, for our fundraiser. And yeah, he's like, yeah, no problem. Where do you need the address? And literally like three days later, I got a package from him with his Jersey sign. And he obviously went in and he's like, yeah, I just went into the pro shop and bought it. And, you know, and I'm like, like, he's just genuinely such a good guy. Like he, he is like the nicest human being. I think he's very competitive, obviously, because he's playing at that ultimate level, but he just, if I live locally near him and I got a flat tire and I called him, he would come help me change it like that's that's the guy that would pick up the phone at any time and be like hey what's going on Vladdy? like not miss a beat and not and it's hard to keep in touch with everybody I, I get it like I've lost touch with a lot of guys but he just he's just a great great human being and I'm so happy that he's had the career he has and, and the success he has because he's just he's awesome he really is we finish all of these Jason and maybe you've mentioned this you've answered this earlier but we always like to ask when you think of your time in Milwaukee what do you think of uh, I think of the friendships really. I mean, still a lot of these guys, like there's teams that I've played on, like I've lost touch with guys, but like texting with Cal, I was just Peverly the other day was, he texted me something about, cause I sent them a, a video of my kid telling me to he drop an F bomb and, and Peverly <laughs> sent me a message back like three months later. And he goes, just sit, send something along the lines. He's like these parenting days, huh? it's gotta be going great. He's like, my kid just, you know, told me to F off too. And so it's, it's that, that I look back on. And I think a lot of guys will probably agree that it's just those memories of the fun things. Like I remember games and scoring some goals, but I remember sitting in the locker room, just shooting the crap with the guys and just hanging out the, you know, the breakfast club, like doing fun things like that. Like that's, that's what I miss the most. And I think that is what I cherish the most of my time in Milwaukee. And I had great coaches, like I said, from you guys, the owners and everybody, but you know, all those guys that I got to play with, that was lucky enough to be, you know, again, this, this short little guy to play with all those guys, but you know, they treated me with respect and everybody in the organization did. And if I had to do it all over again, I do it the same exact way. No regrets. Beautiful. Jason, yeah. great to see you all the best to you and your family. And uh, we'd love to do this again sometime. Thanks guys. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much. Awesome. It's awesome to see you. Thanks for coming on. That is Jason Guerrero. Thank you for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.